Welcome to the GT Counter Podcast, where uh, the GT stands for group therapy today. Joining me, as always, my co-host, who uh, is one half of the therapy brothers, Grayson Winters is here. Grayson, uh, not a great weekend for our, for our teams. Oh, you know, man, it was one of those weekends where you, the, uh, you got to expect the unexpected, you know, just one of those weekends you come out, you think, you know, Texas comes out, they're going to maybe, maybe take it to OU. I had, I had my, my feelings that OU could, could pull this one out, but you know, I had to ride with Texas. We ranked them at number one. We had to stay true to the boys. They let us down. Notre Dame talks about them, maybe potentially could have a chance to make the playoffs if they went out and said that this was going to be their big time statement game. And I did not mean Louisville's big time statement game. Um, in, in this case, it was Louisville's big time statement game. I mean, we looked awful. So what a, what a piss poor disappointment. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a downer, but you know, it's not going to be, uh, it's not a group therapy if we're not a uh, we're not coming together. So that's right. We do have to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I think by the time we're done talking today, we'll get there. But uh, we have to start off with bad. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. Uh, first, let's start with the Red River rivalry with Texas and OU. Uh, on the pod, we all predicted that Texas would find a statement win. Uh, they did not. OU came out and really took control of the game early. They got an interception of Ewers right off the bat. They were able to uh, turn Texas over three times. They outrushed Texas, which was a bit of a shock coming in, uh, as we thought that Texas had the advantage in both trenches. OU was able to neutralize that pretty well throughout the entire game. Uh, things did get a little bit hairy down there in the fourth quarter. Uh the goal line stand that OU had on Texas, that was pretty just pitiful offense by Texas down there. On You have first and goal with the one and you can't punch it in, which is like, I mean, you deserve to lose the game if you can't punch that in. Then it comes down to a kick and uh, they make the kick, but they left OU too much time. We're in Dylan Gabriel found a receiver, Nick Anderson in the back of the end zone with 15 seconds left. And that was that. So, uh, yeah, when you look at this game, Grayson, what was the uh, what was the main takeaway you had? Uh, I know we were just talking pre-pod that uh, we came away pretty impressed with that OU offensive line and how they were able to handle uh, Texas's defensive front. You know, I think what comes to my head to start off is Texas takes a huge loss on that that first drive of the game. Jake Majors, star center for UT, goes down early. Uh, they put in a backup dude, and this guy's just getting worked the whole entire game. Um, Jake Majors plays that game. They probably score in the goal line on that one series. Uh, I just I don't understand the play call down there. I don't understand running the ball, you know, every single time on all of those plays, and it just really doesn't make sense to me. And then you put two D linemen in there in the backfield to think that. Well, we're going to really fool them right here. They don't think we're running the ball when we put our big boys back there. I mean, they're bringing the house. I mean, you're not running the ball up the middle when Stutzman's there. That dude is looks like Bubba Gump, but he plays like freaking Ray Lewis. He's a dog. I mean, Ray Lewis is probably an over-exaggeration, but 
mean, the guy is the guy's a beast for no reason either, because he just looks like a terrible football player, just so unathletically built. But this guy is a freaking freak in nature. So I think that happened in, in the game um, is a big deal. And then later in the game, Jalen Catalan goes down for Texas as well on a tackle, and they put in a backup. And that backup safety ends up making a couple of big-time errors in that game late in the stretch. So I think a couple really injuries for Texas kind of just hurt them severely in this game. Um, as a whole, you can't you can't lie. OU's O-line played fantastic against a really tough um, D-line in Texas with Sweat and Murphy. They seemed like they were neutralized the whole entire game. They gave Dylan Gabriel a ton of time to throw the ball. Um, it's just they played really, really well. Love to uh, love to see Austin Stogner come out and make a couple of huge plays down the stretch of that game as he's been really, really inactive since he transferred back from Arkansas. So really good to see him come in and make a bunch of plays for OU late in the game because um, I know there was a lot of questions on if he was going to be any good or not. You know, he was – Comes back, he's lost some weight. Is he going to be able to perform? And he ends up performing big time in a big time game. So glad to see a glad to see a Texas native come out and uh, take it to the Longhorns a little bit at the end of that game. But what are your uh, what are your biggest takeaways on this game, Ed? Yeah, Gray. The thing for me about this game was I was really impressed with how OU was able to handle Texas's defensive front just one sack of Gabriel and Gabriel was the leading rusher for OU. He ran for over a hundred yards on his scrambles. That was really impressive to see. Uh, I mean, we've seen that out of him to start the year, but not against the competition level that Texas was. Uh, And that even being said, like this game was so interesting because it was truly, it brought you back to red river of old with all of the, the crazy swings and the momentum changes and things like that. I mean, I thought Texas was dead from the word go. And then they, out of nowhere, block a punt for a touchdown. And all of a sudden they find themselves up 14 to 10. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, third quarter, they're down 27-17. They score uh, 13 in a row to get it to 30-27, only to allow Gabriel to march down the field with, uh, you know, what was it? A minute and a half left to go take the lead outright for the for the final time. So yeah. it was truly Red River of old for, for me. And it was it was awesome to see that game after the the kind of snoozer that was last year. But uh, you know, the other thing was the way this game played out with the way that Texas turned the ball over three times, some of that is yes, like turnover luck, but you know, I thought Ewers was able to bounce back really well, and that gives me confidence in Texas moving forward. Uh, you know, I think if you just looked at the Big 12 as a whole, like you'd be shocked if it wasn't these two teams playing again in the Big 12 championship game, which we would certainly love to see. But, uh, you know, I am I am weirdly still just as confident in Texas as I was pregame. But, gosh, that OU team, they were something serious on Saturday. And, uh Shout out to Sammy Perkins. He uh, he made sure to let me know about it. So uh, you you were right, Sammy P. You were right. Yeah, the uh, you know after the uh, Kansas State OSU game, you know we all thought Kansas State might be a pretty good program, and after watching that game, we were proved once again to expect the absolute unexpected as OSU beat Kansas State. 
which worries me about the rest of the Big 12 besides, you know, the team that was projected to come in last place in the Big 12. West Virginia is rolling. So, love the Mountaineers. Um, I don't believe they have a very hard schedule, do they? I know they play TCU later on, but... It's not super easy, but, you know, the Big 12 isn't really strong as a whole this year. I mean, it's really just the two top dogs are the only ranked teams in the entire conference. Yep. They play – West Virginia plays OU in Norman on November 11th, and that's the only game it looks like that they have that's tough this season. So, West Virginia might stay rolling the rest of the year. I mean, they lost to – their only loss is to a very, uh, very difficult Penn State team. So that's their loss all season long. So, for yeah. sure, for sure, very, very difficult um, Penn State team. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to hit from this one was uh, the which team, in your opinion, which team changed your opinion of them the most? Was it OU looking impressive, Texas losing? Which team uh, did more to change your opinion on Saturday? You know, I don't know if this game in general really changed my opinion. I think I talked about it in the pod and said that Texas's defense was going to be a little bit too much for OU to handle. But I really thought all in all that this was going to be a really, really close game. One way or another, I felt like it was probably a coin flip, but I was leaning towards Texas as, you know, higher ranked team. Just leaning towards Texas in this one. So I don't know. I don't think that my my thought process has changed on or my opinion has changed on either one of these teams whatsoever. I think that there's a really good chance. These two teams see each other in the big 12 and I'm have think it's a very good chance that these two teams split one and one. I don't see OU pulling out another win against Texas two times. I mean, they're too, they're too evenly matched. I think this is a, you know, nobody wins this. If you play this game 10 times, nobody wins this matchup six, you know, it's just not happening. They're so evenly matched this year. It's it's crazy. So, yeah, I don't think my opinion really changed on either one of these teams. I had I had a lot of feelings that both of them were very, very good. Um, so, exciting to see OU come back to uh, and do OU things. I agree. I, I will say my opinion changed more about Oklahoma. I Coming in, I didn't really think that they were uh, – a team that was capable of being a top 10 team. And boy, did they prove me wrong there. They were, they were stout against Texas and granted some of that was turnover luck. I mean, Texas threw a pick when they were going into the end zone, when it was jarred loose from JT Sanders. And that was a pick. Um, they've threw a pick on the first drive. Quinn Ewers had a fumble. So, I mean, some of that three to three to zero on turnovers, like you'd expect in a rematch that it wouldn't quite go the same, but, uh, there were some things about this game that lead me to believe that Texas would be able to hang in a rematch. Uh, I mean, Texas worked OU in special teams. They blocked a punt for a touchdown. Uh, obviously, OU missed a field goal in the game that could have put it on ice in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, there's things that OU did to keep Texas in it. Texas just didn't take advantage of it. And Obviously, OU's defense played great. The goal line stop on first and goal from the one was outstanding. But, uh, yeah, I think we'd both sign up for another 60 minutes of that uh, in Arlington here in a couple of months, wouldn't we? Yeah, 100%. Hopefully we can, uh, we can get the Cotton Bowl to get us some, uh, some tickets for that live time. That would be unreal. 
would be unreal. Uh, a game that we would not sign up for another 60 minutes of. Notre Dame and Louisville from Saturday, which was just a bloodbath, but not for the team that was favored. Notre Dame goes to Louisville, Kentucky, and gets beat 33-20 to in a game that probably wasn't even as close as the score might tell you. So, Grayson, I'll just send this thing over to you because I know you watched uh, pretty much every second of this game while I was flipping around between this one and a couple of the other games going on. So I just want to hear from you, man. Where... Where did it all go wrong for the Irish? You know, I just don't understand as a whole. I get my dad texts me multiple times in this game and basically tells me that we need to fire. Um, we need to fire Marcus Freeman. I mean, we looked we looked atrocious, and genuinely, that's three weeks in a row that we've played in primetime games where it just doesn't look like we're prepared to play offensively. Um, and it was, it, the defense can only play so good for so many weeks in a row. I mean, the defense can only, your defense can only come out and save you for so many weeks in a row. We looked awful on offense. I really can't understand what happened to Sam Hartman in the last couple of weeks. Like what, what major changes happened to this guy for him to just like come out and just play so atrocious every week. I mean, Throws three picks, hasn't thrown a pick all season, throws three picks against Louisville. Um, we just all around, I mean, we need to lean on the run game. That's what we're known for. We run for 44 yards in this game. Offensive line just decides that they haven't weren't gonna play against Duke. They weren't gonna play this week. They're like, yeah, we're just gonna take a couple weeks off. You know, Joe Alt's gonna go to the NFL whether we play or not, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm extremely disappointed in this team, uh, a team that is good enough to beat any team in the country, and we just play like crap every single week. It's it's really piss poor, really disappointing, honestly. So, yeah, I don't know. Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, I thought was the truth in the first three weeks of the season, has slowly proved me wrong that he is definitely not the truth. And maybe he's just not – and you can blame it on us not having any receivers. And then our best receiver goes down early in the first quarter of that game. And now you're like, oh, man, well, maybe the tight end can save us the whole entire time, and that's just not a thing. I mean, you're just not going to have a tight end that can save you the whole entire game. I mean, we – what? We ran the ball – we ran 66 plays, ran the ball 17 times. Is that is that the offensive game plan you'd want to run, Etzel? I mean, we you go down early, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, stick to what stick to what you get best, what you do best. You know, you're down, you're down. What? It's seven. It's seven to seven and a half. I mean, why wouldn't you tote the rock? Just keep running the ball. So, I don't know. Really, uh, really disappointing. If you watch this, if you watch this game recap, it's pretty miserable to watch. Uh, the highlight picture is Sam Hartman just getting absolutely murdered. So, yeah, it's uh, that's a, a pretty good depiction of what the game was. I would have to say. Yeah, I mean, when your leading receiver is your tight end with seventy-one receiving yards, and your superstar running back um, in Estime has twenty res- rushing yards on ten carries, it's just. Just not ideal, probably. I mean, just not ideal. 
So especially yeah. against a Louisville team where you know you're you know you're able to outclass them. You have the better athletes, you have you're supposed to have the better players. And yet you go out there and you can't establish the run because your offensive front was too soft against a Louisville front full of three stars. You couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Hartman was a bit erratic. I mean, it was, uh, I would describe it as a meltdown. It was, it was human Chernobyl out there for Notre Dame. It was, it was not good. I think, I think teams have figured us out. I think we got exposed against Ohio state and Duke really decided they were going to expose us on a different level when we played them. And the game plan is, is if you could stop the run, then you force Notre Dame to start passing the ball early and you can run man-to-man coverage because we don't have any receivers. You run man-to-man coverage with cover zero man-to-man and bring the house every single play. There's nothing we can do about it because we can't, if we can't form the run, we can't pass because we don't have any receivers. So you just got to stop the run, blitz the house. I mean, it's simple, simple math. So Yeah, and, you know, the thing about it is it's one thing for, for Ohio State to expose you. Like, they're, they're very easily in your tier, if not a tier above, in terms of just, like, pure athlete and pure, like, what's going on on a football field. Like, they're, they're on theoretically the same level or maybe a level above. It's a, a completely different thing for Louisville, who you should be a tier or two above in terms of just, like, skill level on the field. For them to just completely neutralize that and have the game play out on on those terms, like it was shocking to see that second half. Like it, like you said, it was seven seven at halftime, and they just completely abandoned the run game. Sam Hartman was hurried; he had made some some questionable throws, which we hadn't seen from him this year. But by the time that they had to throw the ball, I mean they were down multiple scores; they had to go throw it, and that's where some of those late turnovers came in and. Anytime you lose the turnover battle by four turnovers, like that's just a recipe to get beat. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah. And I think there was three turnovers in that fourth quarter when they just decided they were just going to pour it on. So, yeah, it's a pretty disappointing loss. Um, I honestly, after losing this game, you almost hate to be USC next week. I mean, genuinely. USC is now... And I'm not trying to jinx it. And I'm, I'm still disappointed in this team, but I'm not going to not be a fan. You feel bad for USC next week. And that's, and that's where we go from here. You feel bad for USC next week because they have to play a Notre Dame team that's going to be pissing hot lava. I mean, they are going to be some pissed off Irishmen and they are very well could come out and pour it on USC. Especially with how bad USC looked against Arizona State, or not Arizona State, Arizona, on Saturday, going into going into OT, it's just you know, it's kind of embarrassing. It's an embarrassing loss. We moved to five and two. Our our chances of making a making the playoffs are now dissolved. Our chances of making a New Year's Six Bowl are very close out the window almost. Um, probably actually sitting right on the edge. You lose a game, you lose one more game this season, and you don't, you're not making. Not that New Year's Six Bowls matter anyways, because players don't play, so they're kind of superficial at this point. But 
you know, it's it's nice to get to watch the guys play a good team every now and then, you know. I mean, not that we haven't played prime time three weeks in a row, but yeah. It's tough. I know Ed talked about it in the podcast and he was asking me if playing prime time three weeks in a row was gonna get to the Irish, and I think it got to us this week big time. So it's tough playing a good team every single week. You're bound to lose one or two. So Yeah, or 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 a couple. But uh, you know, and we'll talk about this with, with Reed as we get later in the week, but I mean, just full transparency, Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half or three-point favorite at home against USC. Um, that if, if Vegas is power rating that at that after seeing an undefeated USC and a two-loss Notre Dame and yet Notre Dame is still the favorite at home, I think that should tell you something about how the game might play out. I think this is – and we'll get into more of the betting aspect with Reed later in the week, obviously, but – this is the spot of all spots for the Irish to come home. Great opponent. Home crowd's going to be fired up. The, the players are going to be fired up coming off of a, a truly horrible loss. I mean, that is that is like the A1 spot that you're trying to grab as, as someone looking to be invested in these games. And, yeah, I'm going to be all over Notre Dame in this one. I think it's the perfect opportunity for them to get themselves right. 100%. I completely agree in that sense. We uh, we need to be better, and I'm hoping we uh we will be better against USC. So, one game at a time, one game at a time. That's right. All right, coming up next, let's get into some uh, some other of the games of the week, including Mario Cristobal. What in the world are you doing? That and plenty more coming up next. All right, Grayson, coming back, we have potentially one of the worst coaching moves that you'll ever see in your lifetime. Uh, Miami, who was undefeated, ranked number 17, heading into this game against lowly Georgia Tech. Uh, They're up three late, which it doesn't matter how we got there. It's just the fact we're here, right? Let's parachute into the last 30 seconds of this game. Georgia Tech is out of timeouts. Miami has the ball, and they can kneel out the clock, right? They just take one knee, the game's over. However, Mario Cristobal and his dumb self decides to run the football to try to pad these stats against poor Georgia Tech. Well, it backfired. The running back fumbles and Georgia Tech gets the ball when they should have just taken a knee and ended the game. Georgia Tech, of course, after you have a screw-up as massive as that, the other team is going to take advantage of it, and Georgia Tech went. And uh, they threw a touchdown pass. Haynes King hit a receiver with... One second left in the game to upset Miami at home in a true just blow up the program moment for for Miami, for Mario Cristobal. They should have fired him before he left the field. I know he beat AM at home earlier in the year. That does not matter. You do not survive an idiot coaching move like that. Uh, just want to know your thoughts on that and if you've ever seen anything dumber on the football field. No, uh, I actually was told the other day that he uh well not the other day i was told yesterday that mario cristobal did the same exact thing when oregon played stanford in a ranked matchup so you know you say like fool me once shame on you um but you fool me twice you can't get fooled again so i don't understand how this guy's just doing this every time it just doesn't make any sense and it really doesn't make any sense to play man to man coverage 
with three seconds left in the game. Does that make sense to you, Tyler? Why are we not running cover four? Why are we not putting everybody in the end zone? They're throwing Hail Mary. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. <laughs> it's just – this is just piss poor coaching. I could have – whether you turn over the ball there or not, the other – Virginia Tech should not score. There's no questions about it. They should not score from the 40. It should not happen. So – for them to for them to catch a wide open guy running a crosser across the field with nobody behind him, why don't you have three guys standing in the end zone? It's just it's just piss poor. You know they're not kicking a field goal; they're on the other forty. I mean, what the hell do you think they're gonna do? Oh God, it, it's just miserable. Some of these games this week just brought me to tears. I mean, it's just just mindless, mindless coaching. This, like Etzel said. This guy should be freaking canned on the spot. I'm surprised the Barstool guy is just not getting absolutely active today on this. I mean, it's, oh, terrible. And again, coaches, we're available for you. Give us a call. We'll be your clock management guy. We'll be your game strategy guy. We played enough Madden. We played enough NCAA Football 14 to know how this thing works. We're better at it than you, Mario. Trust us. Let us do your job for you. Yeah, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I know for a fact that nobody can score when you run prevent defense. It's impossible to score. And you cannot throw a touchdown in prevent defense. I mean, it's oh, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing to watch somebody do that something that stupid. Just bad, bad. And it's a miracle we're talking about mindless coaching and we're not even bringing up Brothers Ferentz up there in Iowa. I mean, we we could spend a whole podcast getting into that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, my dad was actually telling me talking about the Iowa game. He was like, "You you think you think Purdue will win, right? Like, surely Purdue will win." And I was like, or I, he was like, "Surely Iowa will win, right?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know. Iowa quarterback's pretty bad. It's pretty terrible. This dude six for twenty one." Did not complete a pass to a receiver all game. Six for and they won. Oh my god! Unfortunately for Brian Ferentz, his Mountaineer man did not score twenty five points this week. So uh, we're still behind schedule on the Price Is Right game, but uh, they did at least win. They'd play Wisconsin next week and basically a Big Ten West title game. So going to be tough to do that without McNamara, but uh, crazier things have happened at least. They might not score next week. I mean, genuinely. They might not. That game is going to end like there's going to be a safety and a field goal, and it's going to be five. It's going to be three to two. Yeah. Thank goodness you got to play. That's how that game is destined to end. Yeah. Thank goodness you got to play Hudson Carr this week. Okay. He's terrible. God, dude. (laughs) I can't believe Texas trotted him out there for quarterback for a whole year. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh yeah. Quinn is a Quinn's a blessing for for the boys. But yeah, let's uh it's, it's night and day. Jeez. Another one of our uh our notable games is Alabama AM. Edsel has uh has Bama found it again? Or what's going on here? They might have. Jalen Milrow threw for over three hundred yards yesterday. He, no matter what he does in the intermediate game, and he still threw he threw yet another questionable decision on some intermediate pass game. But man, does the kid throw a pretty deep ball. He hit several times to Jermaine Jermaine Burton. He did it against Texas. He did it again yesterday. It was 
it was just a beautiful ball that he throws deep. And, uh, you know, A&M was able – they gave up the long passing game. Uh, they weren't able to do enough offensively, although uh, they did have two touchdowns called back due to penalty or stepping out of bounds that could have won them a game. And, uh, yeah, Jimbo actively hurting the team, kicking a field goal when you're down by nine to make a a two-score game, a one-score game whenever you could have gone. And it was like fourth and three. Like, let's go get three yards and go score a touchdown and make this a true game. But, but no, did not. And uh, that is not just me talking as a salty overbetter who had a just awful push out of that one. Uh, truly felt like I was robbed in that. The, the over-under I got was 46. I know Reed got 46 and a half, and he outright lost. But having three touchdowns called back that would have uh, cashed a bet for you, that's that's a tough scene there. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, Grayson, what did you think about this one? It was uh, definitely a statement win for Bama against a really good Texas A&M team. I agree. This is a big-time statement game for Alabama. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, and you know we saw it in person last week, this Texas A&M defensive front six is is as legit as they get. I mean, they have probably have the best front six in college football. I mean, holds Alabama to 23 total rushing yards on the game. Jalen Milrow gets sacked multiple, multiple times in this game. And uh, the craziest stat that one could possibly pull up is that through six games, Texas A&M has 26 sacks on the season. They are an absolute freaking monster in this defensive line. And they literally love to get after it. They're getting after these quarterbacks. They're getting after your run game. And, you know, we really thought Arkansas was just stupid for not wanting to run the ball last week, but it turns out, or we thought Arkansas was stupid for continuing to run the ball last week. But I think it just comes to show that this D line is just absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, you can't you can't do a whole lot when you play against a team that's just constantly getting after you every single play. Sacks and you just cannot run the football. I mean, told Alabama to 23 rushing yards. Jalen Milrow had negative negative 33 rushing yards, I believe. Negative 31 rushing yards on the game because he was just getting sacked so many times. It's just it's just mind blowing. Jason McLennan, 12 rushes for 45 yards, and this guy was a freak show out of Alito in high school. Just an absolute stud. This guy just gets nothing today. So, yeah, it's a uh, biggest thing that stood out for me is this A&M defense. It's still crazy. I think we thought that Alabama would win this game in a nutshell, but this A&M defense is legit, and they're going to give teams problems all the way throughout the year. I agree. I mean, and they're playing that well, and yet they've still lost twice. So uh, for the sake of all of my Aggie friends out there, I hope that the price of oil just goes to the moon so you can get Jimbo out of there because uh, that might be the only thing that saves you moving forward. But uh, let's go ahead and keep it moving here. We'll go to LSU and Missouri, a battle of ranked teams in Columbia, and uh, the defense optional special of the week, 49-39 in this one. But – I think the main story in this, well, there was two. Number one, Jaden Daniels just continues to be an absolute freak. He is playing at a Heisman level if his defense would give him any help whatsoever. I mean, just another outstanding game from him today. And uh, the other one, Brady Cook for Missouri finally throws a pick. 
He had gone since last October without throwing one, and he threw two on Saturday for good measure. So, uh, you know, anything that stood out from this game for you, either, uh, you know, with it being LSU's offense continuing to steamroll or, you know, anything Missouri-wise. I know this one was on at the same time as Red River, so I didn't have a ton of eyes on it, but uh, a ranked matchup. It was at least uh, in the high-scoring department. Yeah, you know, Mizzou goes up a little bit early in this game, and you think maybe this is going to be all Mizzou. And then LSU kind of comes alive in that fourth quarter and just kind of takes this game over. And once again, LSU's come out to prove that they do not play defense in Baton Rouge. They don't know what defense is. That uh, this secondary is still holding on to that medal of the crispiest secondary in college football. It's just... They're just bad. They're defensively, they're just bad. And thank God they have a first rounder at QB because Jaden Daniels goes for 259 yards and three touchdowns passing. And to add on to his impressive game in the air, he also had 130 yards on the ground, uh, four yards less than their starting running back, if that tells you anything about how just much of a freak show this guy is. Um, it's impressive. It's impressive to say the least. He kind of looks like, and don't get me wrong, don't don't let me disrespect Big Cam Newton like this, but this dude has tendencies and looks like Cam Newton when he played at Auburn back in the day, day. So he's looking he's looking impressive. I'm not gonna lie. If you could give him some uh some if you could give him Texas A&M's defense, this team's undefeated. So simple as that. I agree. Uh, I was my comp was even a little bit more recent. I was thinking he just a tiny whiffs of Lamar Jackson, uh-huh. just just a little bit. You can if you smell hard enough, you might be able to smell some Lamar in him. Like the kid is just an absolute freak. It's been incredible to see. Yeah, I love it. He's wants to. Uh, he's he's bringing up the conversation in the SEC, and his defense is definitely bringing up the conversation of quarterback in the SEC as well. So. Imagine the numbers he would put up if he got to play his own defense. Oh, yeah, he's going absolutely psycho. I mean, we all thought, and this is why I don't think Florida State's good. This is why I do not think Florida State's a good team. Because LSU's defense just looks so awful. They just look so terrible. Um, Florida State, I just don't think it's a good team. But we'll uh, we'll soon see because at some point in time, they're going to have to go turn around and uh, go and play Duke. That might be this week, maybe. Is that this weekend? Uh, not this week. Duke plays NC State. Okay, we're still good. I think Duke will beat uh will beat Florida State though, and I think that will wipe away that undefeated slot for North Carolina to step in and take the ACC. Okay, let's uh would not would not hate it. Would not hate it. Let's move on to a game that was strictly played at the dog pound this week. And, you know, it was everything that you could want from the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, They came out and absolutely brought it to Kentucky. And, you know, they're they're your undisputed number one team after this week. They came out 608 yards of total offense. And they decided that Brock Bowers couldn't carry this team by himself and that they were going to bring out the big dogs this week. And they just freaking manslaughtered this team. I mean, just freaking assaulted um, Kentucky all game long. So, love to see, uh, love to see the Georgia Bulldogs wake up in a big time one. They must have heard in the media that 
a lot of people said that they could lose this game. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll play this week. We'll play the starters. No worries. So, love it. They, they've been sandbagging us this whole yeah. year, I guess. I mean, it was about time they finally showed up. They just needed to play somebody with a number next to their name. Kirby Smart's been just t- telling the boys every single week, we're just playing, we're playing Ball State this week, guys. I'm only going to like just 50%. I can't afford any injuries. Just 50% out there. Like walk through against the scout, okay? Then they came out to play Kentucky. He was like, all right, boys, crank it up to 110. And yeah, they cranked it up to about 150. Came out and just smoke showed Kentucky. So really impressive win. Um, definitely why they're ranked number one in the country and why they should be there. I think they got uh I think they got double the votes this week that they did last week for that number one spot, I do believe. So that's as expected, impressive. Well, I know last week Texas hoovered up about ten votes, but that vote those votes went away after the loss to OU. But yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens, I mean I'm sure they'll catch some more sleepy spots throughout the year, but we hadn't seen that top end Georgia team that we've come so used to seeing over the last couple of years, so it's good to know that at least for one night, that ceiling is still there and uh, gives me a lot of uh, I hope is one word. Fear is another for a, as being a fan of a team who might sneak into that four spot now. Uh, yeah, that Georgia team still has that top end gear that they can go to. It was really impressive to see. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. That's a, uh, that's a fantastic win for them. Let's move into uh... – a game that I was a little bit uh, financially inclined to have. Um, didn't win my NFL picks this week, but I can always rely on Wyoming to get the dub for me, baby. Let's go. That's big time. Wyoming went out and beat Fresno State in a very, very close game. And can we can can we just ask why this Wyoming team isn't ranked in the top 25? I mean, could somebody tell me they're 5-1 and one and their only losses to Texas? Why is this team not ranked in the top 25? Um, it's a good football team up there, yeah. man. You go to Laredice and strange things happen. Fresno just gets stymied for the most of that game. And, man, Wyoming's just a physical, physical football team. They play up there at altitude. And it's just, if you don't have it, you're going to get beat. Fresno didn't have their A game. And, uh, yeah, they got beat. It's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I believe Wyoming should be absolutely be be ranked back in the top 25, but uh, they're going to get a firm test this week. They go to Air Force. So uh, going to be, if you're a group five, group of five football watcher like myself, going to have to make sure you catch that one. It'll be appointment TV there. Are they winning this conference? Oh, man. I think that there's an argument to be made. I would not be – I think this Air Force and Wyoming game could very easily be a Mountain West Conference championship preview. Boise typically runs things, but they haven't looked very good. Uh, Colorado State just got hammered against Utah State, which is not great for them. Yeah, I mean, this Wyoming team, they just beat Fresno. They played Texas really tough. Yeah, I don't see why they couldn't. They they absolutely have the, have the horses to go do it. Do you think – sorry, this is a – Totally off topic, but do you think the Mountain West is a better G five conference this year than the MAC? What are your What are your thoughts? Oh on yeah, yeah per, absolutely. 100%. Top end, top end, and depth. You know, if you look at the MAC, you've got 
at the top, you have Toledo, who's been great. You have Ohio, who's been great. But throughout the Mountain West, you got Boise. You got Fresno, who was just ranked. You got you got Wyoming. You got Air Force, who plays a physical brand of football. Just the top end and the depth, I think. I think the better question to ask would be, is it the Mountain West or is it the American? Yeah. You know, the American doesn't have Houston anymore. They don't have Cincinnati anymore. But you've got, like, SMU out there doing things. USF kind of gave Bama a run there for a hot minute. So I think the, I think that's the better question to ask. The American might have a better middle ground than anybody else. I mean, it's their their middle tier teams are are mo- probably better than what we have in the Mountain West. Would you would you disagree with that? I mean, UTSA. No, I think you're spot on. Yeah, there. UTSA, South Florida, Florida Atlantic, Rice, Tulsa, UAB. Uh, Navy. I mean, those are probably better. Isn't Liberty in the American this year now? Uh, I don't think so. Liberty's a solid group if they're in the, if they're in the American. No, Liberty is not in the American. Well, oh, okay. I think they might be in the whatchamacallit, though. Let me see. Oh, they're in the same one as Coastal. What is Coastal in the Sun Belt? Yeah, they're in the Sun Belt. I forget. I think they're in the Sun Belt. Yeah. James Madison, Troy. No, they're not in the Sun Belt either. Oh, Coastal's in here. Though. Tell you what, James Madison has a good squad this year. Yeah, they can le- absolutely play. They're legit. Georgia Southern's good. Marshall's good. App State's good. Troy, Louisiana, Arkansas State. This might be the best G5, maybe. Sun Belt. Might be. Yeah, uh, definitely depth wise. I think top end, I think that the Mountain West might still have them, but. Yeah, that's definitely a solid group out there. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good small schools this year. I mean, Liberty's Liberty. If you have an ESPN Plus, it's it's so fun to watch those games. Yeah, Liberty's in Conference USA with God. Sam Houston went to Conference USA. Oh, and five, Sam Houston. Yeah, damn. Eat them up, cats. Yeah, led by my boy Keegan. They are unfortunately getting eaten up this year. Yeah, led by my boy Keegan Shoemaker. R.I.P. Uh, that's a tough scene, man. You hate to see it. They played Liberty close on Saturday. I hate though. to see it. But anyways. Yeah, they did. They gave him a run. Gave him a little run. So I'm sure nobody cares about our G5, uh, the, our G5 conference, but if you guys want to get more financially inclined, that's the that's the place to be. So That's where you go. Now that they're playing midweek, too, you got games Tuesday through Friday now with some of these smaller conferences. We're, we're into it now. It's fun to – Fun to see him on the main screen. A hundred percent. So Tyler has a small school score hall of fame for the boys today. Should be a, should be a good one right here. We have not made an addition to the hall of fame box scores in a hot minute. Just due to, we have strict standards here at the GT counter podcast. And uh, you know, we can't induct people every week, but I will say it brings me no joy to uh, induct this box score into the hall of fame as as we here at the gt counter have a connection to to one of these teams who uh who played in this game but uh we're going to d3 grayson we're heading to division three football and we're heading to the outskirts of chicago where uh now granted this is a ranked on unranked matchup and uh concordia chicago played host to number 15 aurora and these are again Division three football, and uh, Aurora just it, it, they pounded, they pounded uh, 
they pounded our boys at, at Concordia. 91 to nothing, Grayson. And, uh, you know, just digging into the box score here, 509 total yards for Aurora compared to just 135 for our boys from Concordia. They only had the ball for 29 minutes of the game, and they scored 91 points. I mean, and like I said, it brings me no joy to bring this induction forward, but we have to do what we have to do here at the GT Counter, and uh, I believe this game qualifies to be in the Hall of Fame. 63 to nothing at halftime, 91 to nothing final, just uh, just a complete and utter demolition. Yeah, I could uh I can only imagine the the locker room after this game. Um it probably has something to the effect of I'm on my knees. Um please help. I'm begging you. Um I'm sure it has something to the effect of that. If you know, you know. Um but yeah, that's just that's just what if I'm a guessing man, that's probably the words that would have come out of that head coach's mouth. During that's part of the part of the uh, the event, you know. It might he might have come in the locker room at halftime and just told them that there's no solution. Just play better. Just play better. It's simple. It just it makes sense. So, yeah. If the game plan was good, Grayson, the game, the game plan was good. Game, You're just not executing. Yeah, the game plan's good. You're down sixty to zero at half. You just have to play better. I mean, it's it has nothing to do with anything that we're doing. It's and nothing that they're doing. Just got to play better. So it's a when in doubt, be better. Yeah. When in doubt, just play better. You know, it's, it's simple. So that's a, that's something my dad would say about the Irish, you know, you just play, they just got to play better. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. It's different. So not quite. So, so Aurora Concordia, Chicago, welcome to the hall of fame. We commend you here at the GT counter podcast. So, That'll do it for our college football this week. Grayson, it's time for Triple G uh, Light NFL segment, but uh, give the people a teaser for what's coming up next. Oh, we gotta, we're going to get into a couple of the, uh, the slated games for the week. Um, not going to get much into the Cowboys 49ers game as we're recording as that game is going on, but they are in the third quarter of the game, and the 49ers are looking um, pretty much unstoppable. Um. We'll go. We'll dive a little bit into the lack of Taylor Swift this week, and maybe take a trip down to uh, London Town and see what uh, what the Bills were talking about this week. And then we'll probably round off this uh, this edition with a little talk about can Lamar Jackson play better football. So that's how we're. Uh, that's what Triple G is looking like. We'll be we'll be back with you in just one second. All right, Grayson, it's time for Triple G. Um, you know, I got to think there's going to be some better solutions out there for these guys than to just play better. But uh, let's get into it, man. What do you have for us? Starting off, we're going to uh, out to London Town. Going to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Buffalo Bills. Sl- kind of a slated game. Both these teams moved to three and two on the season each. And Jacksonville kind of looked like Jacksonville today. I know... Tyler already talked about in podcast last week during the Triple G seg that he likes Jacksonville to uh, kind of go on a run here in the next couple of weeks. And I think this is a great way to propel your season around by coming out and beating the Buffalo Bills. Um, 
Josh Allen would probably blame it on jet lag from the plane ride over. Um, but I think I'd rather blame it on the fact that Trevor Lawrence came out and threw for uh, 315 yards and a touchdown. And the Clemson connection came back alive today as Travis Etienne absolutely tore up the ground for 136 yards and two touchdowns. The man, uh, the man had an excellent week. Uh, he can yell at DJ Moore later for killing him on most points scored in fantasy. So he'll have to have a he'll have to have a one on one conversation with DJ Moore later on about that. Moving into the next game, we're going to talk about we're going to dive into the best offense in the NFL, and that best offense in the NFL has got to be none other than Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots as they came out and threw up a fat goose egg today. Mac Jones comes out and plays, you know, through three quarters and gets benched, and Bailey Zappi comes in, and he looks about as good as one could possibly imagine, three for nine, 22 yards. So this team is just miserable right now. Ramondre Stevenson doesn't do anything on the ground, neither does Zeke, and, you know, it's a tough day to uh to be a New England Patriots fan as they uh they move to a whopping one and four. What you got on this one, Ed? You know, I thought we were gonna talk about the actual best offense, the Dolphins, but uh, I see where I see what you were doing with the best offense in the league, and uh, I have to agree, it's it's a spectacle to watch them play offensive football. It's it's bad. I mean, it's it's really bad. Um. Bill Belichick needs needs Tom Brady back badly. Um, yeah, it's it's rough for uh, it's rough for the Patriots out there, and they're moving to one and four, and the Saints are just propelling their season back around right now. Moving into another game, um, could the uh, Ravens play worse football today, Ed? You think it's possible or? Mm, don't think so. That was about as bad as it gets for them. I mean. Letting the Steelers hold you to 10 points? Yeah, that's. I know it's a rivalry game and all on the road, but, man, we got to have more than that. It was, I will say this, not not fully on Lamar Jackson, some despicable receiver play. So many drops today. Just the receiver group should publicly apologize. Yeah, I completely agree. But getting shut out in the second half uh, against the Steelers is rough. I know this Steelers defense is no joke. But it's just it just looks it's just really really doesn't look good. Um, just a really really sleepy game through three quarters. I mean, just boring. Ten to three at half. Nobody scores in this third quarter, and Pittsburgh comes alive late in this game. And uh, Kenny Pickett uh, leads them down the field to score fourteen points at the end of this one, and kind of an impressive uh, impressive way to finish this game out. Genuinely, it's I mean. They just played really, really well at the end of the stretch, and the Ravens decided that they just didn't want to play football in the second half. So, love that. Um, hate that for hate that for the Ravens. Uh, moving into another game, got to see the Giants post more great football today as the Giants played the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins said, "Okay, we're going to give the ball to Chan." For 11 carries for 151 yards. And I believe he had three carries for like 100, 105 or something on his first three carries of the day. So, yeah, 
most explosive offense in the in the NFL right now. Tua's unstoppable. Looking, he's running that MVP award, just running it up right now. Tyreek Hill, eight receptions, 181 yards, and a touchdown. And even Raheem Mostert decided he was going to have a little day. Um, Ten carries, 65 yards, and another touchdown. So love to see these guys just play really well and glad to see Jalen Waddle back on the field and making a little bit of uh, a couple plays. What do you got on this one, Ed? Mike McDaniel is just so good at his job, man. The, the, the game he calls, it's just so, it's so great in the flow of it, the motion that he, that he runs. It feels like at the snap, he's always got somebody moving or repositioning or shifting over, whether it be, you know, an H back or something like that. It's just beautiful offense to watch. It's, uh, if I was given the chance to watch one NFL team every week, I'm watching the Dolphins. Yeah. And he's put, he puts his players in the best position to make big time plays. Like, you're not going to give the ball to these speedy running backs up the middle. He's throwing toss to the Chon like half the time, and this guy's just getting loose. I mean, put your best players in spots for them to make big time plays. So it's really cool watching. No questions, the fastest offense in the league. Just go to work every single week. So, you know, love the Dolphins right now. They're playing extremely good football. Um, complete side note. Did you see the podcast the other day with – or Tyreek Hill's stream the other day? You did? I did. If it's what I think you're talking about, yes, I did. Where Tyreek Hill talked about uh, what he wants his future job to be after he's done retires from the NFL? Uh, yes, I did see that. I uh, I encourage all the viewers at home to look this up on YouTube. It is quite the uh, quite the profession to move into. Um, what a guy. What a guy, ideally. <laughs> Moving into uh, – to one more game on the on the day, um, are are the Bengals back, Ed, or are they just playing the the Cardinals? I believe it was uh, the playing the Cardinals bump, but uh, it's good to see that they at least were able to do that. The Cowboys weren't a few weeks ago, but Jamar Chase. I mean, he posted a picture on Twitter. Seven uh, Eleven, my guy is always open. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, did you see his interview with? Uh, he was on an interview with the media after their loss last week, and they said, "Just what's going on on offense, Jamar? Like, are you are you not open?" He goes, "I'm open every single play. Just throw me the ball." Um, and you know, Joe just took that advice today and threw him uh, fifteen, had a uh, fifteen receptions, one hundred and ninety two yards, and three tutties. So. Love to see that. Love to see Joe Burrow come back and get a little bit of a, a little catch a little bit of a break here. The guy, the man needed it. Threw him, let him throw the rock forty six times. That's big time. Uh, Joe Mixon, eighty one yards on the ground. You know he's definitely had a better game than they've had. This offense is starting to put things together. Be a lot better when T. Higgins gets back off of injury, or maybe that will make things a lot worse because Jamar won't get the ball every single play. Uh, that's everything I have for triple G. Just want to let you guys know that, um, Texas, the people of Dallas, Texas are going to be on potential suicide watch after this evening's game. It has now moved to 35 to 10 49ers. Um, I'm sorry, Cowboys fans, but 
it still can be your guys' year this year. Don't worry. We're going to be okay. It's a different weight class between those two teams. At the moment, the Niners are championship level, and I think the Cowboys are probably just playoff level. So uh, the complete demolition in San Francisco at the moment. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a scary team. I mean, a scary team. But that's what happens when 10 of your players are the highest paid players in the uh, in the NFL. Won't be able to uh, hold on to them for forever. In, in due, that it do, that it do. In due time, the salary cap will catch up. Don't worry. <laughs> yep, it's just like death and taxes. Sooner or later, the salary cap is going to get you. 100%. 100%. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and keep it moving here. Coming up next, we've got odds and ends. Uh, we'll keep it short and sweet today. We have our second installment of our official college football top five here on the GT counter. And then given that this Saturday the biggest game was at the Texas State Fair, we're going to do a top five State Fair foods draft. Everything that is potentially able to be fried will be on the table. And uh, can't wait to get into that. Coming up next. All right, G, coming back, it is time to do our second and our second installment of the GT Counter uh, Top 5 College Football Rankings. A little bit of a shakeup with our number one team last week going down. Uh, still think that Texas could eventually work their way back to that level, but we certainly have to take them, take them down a peg now. So let's get into it, man. We'll start with number five. I think me and you are on consensus here. It's got to be Oklahoma in this spot, doesn't it? Yeah. OU's got to get this spot. I think they're good enough to move into this top four, but they got they got some more to prove. They got some more to prove on their hands. So I think, yeah, I think the five slot is probably the perfect spot for them. Yeah, it's easily a top three win of college football this year. You know, at the at the Cotton Bowl against number three Texas, that's a that's an outstanding win to get under your belt. But uh, you know, given the those struggles that they had against Cincinnati, against SMU, they don't go away. So that's why I think they still hang in at the bottom end of this top five. But yeah, just an impressive showing all around, and they're deserving to be of that top five ranking. So now it gets interesting because last week we had Georgia at number four, but I think we are able to safely say that we can move them up this week. So I would put Ohio State here in this number four spot. I'm interested what you would want to do with that. You know, last week I think we had Ohio State at number three, and they kind of played a sleepy game against Maryland on Saturday. Um, I think Ohio State deserves to be in the playoffs, in the in the playoff top four. Um, but, you know, I also worry about putting Washington at the three spot with them going to play Oregon this week, you know. We put teams too high, and then they go out and lose. Um, so it worries me that our uh, our methods could uh, jinx the Huskies this week if we slam them in the number two or three spot. What do you uh, would you would you hate to put put the Huskies at the four? No, I wouldn't hate it. I I'm not like a huge fan typically of downgrading somebody when they're off on the week, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State showed enough in the second half to maybe not lose their spot outright, but it certainly wasn't the most impressive thing. But yeah, I'd be willing to put Washington at the four there. Okay. I think they deserve to be in the top four regardless. So I think we're just splitting hairs on where we rank them in the top four. But 
Yeah, I can put I can get down with Washington at four. Okay, put Washington at the four then. Only because only because we're worried about them losing this week to Oregon. If Oregon's gonna wins, Oregon takes the four spot probably. Actually, maybe they move to five and OU slips in. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's uh, just looking ahead. This is a three point spread. So between Oregon and Washington, this game is in Seattle. So that would mean that neutral field. It's basically a pick 'em. So extremely looking forward to that game. Two uh, thirty on ABC on Saturday. Going to be an absolute banger. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's get to number three now. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Ohio State probably belongs in the three hole this week as well. Yeah. I think Ohio State's number three. Um, I'm still worried about Ohio State because Notre Dame lost on Saturday. Um, so now I'm worried about Ohio State. I think that college football is really weird right now. It's hard to tell who's good. Still, even six weeks through, it's still hard to tell who's really good. Um, we need more of this conference play to shake stuff up. We need Ohio State to play Penn State. We need Michigan to play Penn State to find out what the Big Ten's about. We need teams like Florida State to play Duke, to play North Carolina, stuff like that to happen, um, to shake up the ACC. I think that we've seen everything we need to see from the SEC. I think we know that that Alabama is going to play Georgia um, in that game in the SEC championship. I think that's almost a, a guaranteed for certain. Um, we need these pack teams to play each other. Um, and then I think after Big 12 this past week, unless the Mountaineers pull out something crazy, I think we'll probably see Texas play OU in the championship there. So we have three conferences where you really just don't know what's going on because it's it's early and teams beat certain teams that they shouldn't beat and teams play teams close that they shouldn't play close. It's It's hard to tell. But yeah, I think Ohio State – they get the uh, they get the ball at the three spot. I agree. So that leaves us with the top two here. Um, we have oh, we have uh, Georgia and we have Michigan, two teams who were towards the back end of our top five last week, who are going to be leading the top five this week. Uh, let's go with number one first because I think that there's probably a more interesting discussion if we're saying who's best. So if you look at who played better this week, you have Michigan who just stomped a mud hole in uh, Minnesota, reads Gophers. Their defense outscored the entire Minnesota team, which is obviously not very good. Uh, And then you have Georgia who faced a ranked Kentucky team and just absolutely laid it on them. So I think if we're going off better win and then in terms of outlook, I think Georgia is the better team, so I would want to rank them number one. But uh, I'd be willing to listen to an argument on Michigan at least. What do you think? I don't think there is an argument on Michigan. I think we, like I said, I think Georgia's got to be the number one seed. They came out and they smoke showed Kentucky. I mean, just drilled them this week. And Kentucky's a good team. I mean, Kentucky really is a good team. They're not. They're not a bad team. They're going to be a top twenty-five team all the way throughout the year. Um, and Michigan just hasn't played anybody yet. They haven't played it. They haven't played anybody who's a reasonable contender for anything other than the world's world's day camping bowl or the music city in Nashville. I mean, they haven't played anybody yet. So it's, it's something that needs to happen and it will shortly. So I'm excited to see Michigan put themselves on the line and actually have to play a good big 10 team soon enough. 
Penn State coming soon. A couple weeks away. Can't wait for it. Coming real soon. All right. So that'll do it for our top five. Just to recap, we have Georgia number one. We have Michigan number two. We have Ohio State manning the three hole. We have Washington at four. And we have Oklahoma entering the top five. And deservedly so off a great win in the Red River uh, rivalry shootout, whatever we're calling it these days. So, all right, let's transition to our last thing here. Given that the Red River rivalry was this past week, played at the Cotton Bowl at the State Fair of Texas, we felt it was appropriate to do a top five draft of State Fair foods. I'm excited for this one, Grayson. Uh, We did the traditional one to 50 drawing. The number was 11 and uh, I was able to come out on top of that. So I will have the first pick and then we'll just go back and forth here and got to be honest here. Not sure. I wanted the one pick kind of wanted this decision to be made for me, honestly, but I feel like there's a number of guys at the top who could be considered for this number one spot. And uh, we're going to go with the traditional funnel cake. It's a, it's a staple at the state fair. I mean, I don't know where else I'd eat a funnel cake, but on that steaming hot concrete as I'm headed to the Ferris wheel, I just need to pound a funnel cake. So funnel cake, I feel like, is a deserved number one. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think there was probably three total big contenders to take that number one spot. And the benefit of the snake draft is that you get to take the other two. Those two being the footlong corn dog and the deep fried Oreo are going to be my two picks. Um, love, love the spot that I'm in there. Love that spot. Yep. Yep. Those are outstanding picks. Those are, those are, I think the cre- the three consensus number one players there and uh, to grab both of them there at two and three, that's outstanding GM work by you. I, you know, I had to, uh, had to get my, had to get my two playmakers to, uh, to strap on the belt. So needed them in the, need them on the team. That's right. So me going here at the four and the five, there's a lot of different things that we could go with here. Oh, I mean, I feel like every state fair has something like uniquely theirs. I mean, for the Texas state fair, it's, you know, they deep fry anything. I saw this year that they have a deep fried, uh, fireball shot which is, I mean, what else do we need? I mean, deep deep fried fireball is just a a recipe for disaster out there. But uh, surprisingly, that will not be my pick. I'm going to go with just a traditional one here because I think they're so easy to munch on. Uh, We're just going to go with the chocolate chip cookie, which is, I think, a solid option at the State Fair. And then rounding out the second of my picks here, You know, I feel like I have to take something fried because there's, I mean, everything is fried at this place. So given that corn dog is off the board, I'm going to go with the chicken tender. I think those are solid state fair options there. You get the the tender and fry basket. It's just undefeated. So we'll take the chicken tender. I really thought you were going to let the chicken tender slide down to me. That would have been um, an an ideal position here for me. Um, I think as I step into this spot that there's one big contender that's on the board that you talk about walking around and like in a munch, 
that makes me think that there's no better take than the kettle corn. That's it's a top tier player. It's comes in the bag. It's transportable. The girls love it. The guys love it. I mean, the kids love it. Everybody loves a little kettle corn in their in their system. So give me the kettle corn at pick number three. Um, moving on from here, I really think that you got to go fried, like you said. And I'm kind of stuck between the fried ice cream and the fried cheesecake. And I feel like in this position that I already have the fried Oreo. And I think that you have to go with the fried cheesecake to double up. So I'm going to hit the nice fried praline cheesecake egg roll. It's just delish. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one there. I can't uh I can't argue with you. That's certainly you've got to take those there. So um this leads me to my last two here, which is going to be a tough one. I feel like there's so much good options left on the board. Um first and foremost, I feel like I'm surprised that this option has made it this far. I'm going to take the uh, the giant pretzel. I feel like that's a solid state fair option. You got the cheese sauce, you're dipping it in. Just a good option. Safe, uh, not too heavy on you if it's hot out there. It's uh, it's a quality option at the state fair. So I think uh, going to take that one. I think Taryn is going to be absolutely ashamed that I didn't pick that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one for you to explain. Yeah, you stole that one from right underneath me. That's a great that's a great pick. Yeah, I try. I try. And then lastly, we're going to one this year that was kind of new to the state fair this year. I'm not sure you've had the chance to uh, to taste it. I haven't yet, but I've seen and talked to people who have. So this is truly based off of uh, a heard from or, you know, word of mouth type experience here. I'm taking the deep fried pho, you know, the noodles, the beef, the bean sprouts. It just looks incredible. I mean, I've I've talked to people who have boots on the ground and who've tried it, who said it's far and away the best fried option at the state fair this year. And it did win an award for best savory fried food. So I've got to take the people's word for it and take the deep fried pho. I love that. I love that pick. Never heard of the deep fried pho, but I'm sure that's, it's got to be top tier. Got to be a top tier. Uh, I don't even know how you get the deep fried pho like that. Does it have the broth and everything or what's going on there? Maybe you dip it in the broth and they don't fry the broth, maybe? That would be fantastic. Like a nice little dip in the broth. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be delish. I think uh, that this is one that's kind of a slept-on uh, slept staple. I think that everybody loves watching the guy just cut this right off of the uh, – right off the spiraling potato – just loves to watch it just get cut right into the thing, right deep fried right for you with some nacho cheese right over top of those spiraled potato chips. Give me the spir- loaded spiral potato chip in the uh, in the five slot. Is that different from the curly fry? It's these little things. I couldn't remember what they were called, but... Okay, yeah. So for the viewers who are who cannot see this picture, it is not quite a curly fry, but it, it is something kind of similar along those lines. Yeah, he takes like the potato and he like 
slices it all the way around into like these potato chips almost, but they're not, they're not like crispy potato chips. They're almost like fries. Yeah. They're pretty. It's like one continuous strip of potato though. Yeah, I think so. It's pretty delicious. It's pretty much top tier. Genuinely. It's. If you yeah, if you have looks incredible. If you haven't had like loaded potato spirals, they're freaking they're money. They're almost they're almost as as good as having like a really nice potato wedge. So I agree. I, I do think we need to hit a couple of honorable mentions, maybe right on the cut line. Uh the churro, that's one that I was deeply considering. Absolutely. Uh kind of got beat out by the funnel cake there. Uh, and then drink wise, you've got the lemonade, of course, but there's nothing that beats a, a frosty, a, a frozen lemonade out there, especially if you can spike it a little bit, you know, add yourself a little punch of good time there. I mean, it, it might be the best drink at the fair altogether. Yeah. Well, you got to love in the honorable mention slot as well. The fried strawberry shortcake, the fried ice cream, fried Snickers bar. Um, I could go fried all day. Um, they have a, well, oh gosh, I had this one in my head just a second ago. Oh, the, uh, the pickle pizza. Um, could, have you had that before? I don't know. Some people don't like, I've not. some people don't like pickles, but they, the pickle pizza is also a statewide fair, um, snack as well as the Mexican elotes street corn. Um, which about which about made my list. It, it about got picked. It's such a top tier yeah. option. The uh, the street corn, the elote. It's it, oh so good. Yeah. And the uh, of course we have to mention uh, cotton candy as well. Oh wow, we slipped up on that one. That's probably a top five pick. Yeah. Hot take though. It's it's no substance. It's no. just all sweet. I'd rather have anything fried over the cotton it's, candy. It's like going to the it's like going to the baseball games and you're the guy comes up and down the aisles and he has the cotton candy and now your hands are all sticky and um it's just it's just not ideal. Much rather have the much rather have the uh nice little not the dip and dots, but you know the the lemonade shaved ice in the little uh little pint size container that's that always used to cool me down on a summer day and always used to tear up my stomach too because it's just you're just not supposed to eat that whole entire thing probably i'm sure no we missed on dip and dots too those are a solid yeah. option as well dip and dots 100 percent. i'm sure there's i'm sure there's ice cream sunday places in there i'm sorry guys we haven't been to the state fair this year um it melts too quick. We can't have ice cream out there for too long. Like that's why like a funnel cake works perfect because it's served warm. It's hot out there. We don't need to scarf it down like you do an ice cream or a cold dessert. It's it's perfect for the fair. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm sure we're going to get uh, some backlash on some of these picks. I'm excited to see what a couple of my buddies tell me that we've missed this week. Um a couple of people have really just gotten on Reed's head about his draft last week. Um, that's just absolutely atrocious to pick gobstoppers at the number five slot. Um, got told by a bunch of people that this guy, you could tell that this guy just definitely does not eat candy ever. And if he does, he's just a very unfun person to hang out with. So um, yeah, it's uh it's good to have a draft, but 
you know, we'll we'll get the backlash for it. We'll t- we'll take it like a man. So that's right. Come at us. We can, we can take the heat. Yeah. Apologies. And, and I mean, I will say we knew it at the time that Reed's draft was terrible last week. I knew it was going to be bad when it was Sour Patch Kids at, at the number one spot. You know, kind of kind of flipped it in the middle there with some good picks, but. Yeah, gobstoppers at the end, just atrocious stuff. I mean, and he hit I, clearly his draft does not reflect the views of us here at the GT Counter Podcast. Yeah, I I just can't believe he said Mike and Ike's is an honorable mention pick in this draft. I mean, Mike and Ike's is just why why? So yeah, I find myself despicable, uh, really. Yeah, I find myself despising his his candy pick. Um, in the future, we won't let him draft food. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. We do apologize for any and all offense that was taken by that. Trust me, we were appalled as well. <laughs> but uh, Grayson, you got anything else before we get out of here on this one? We've uh, kind of kept we've kept a, a tied ship on this one. I feel like we've stepped stuck pretty close to the agenda. Yeah, you know, sometimes we get a uh, we get a little bit off the mark, and we miss uh, we uh, end up catching ourselves going. Uh, completely different direction but i feel like today we are kind of we're kind of right on schedule right now so you know just want to thank the viewers again for the great listen that they're getting to hear and thanks for being uh constantly uh constantly listening we really appreciate the uh the views and we love the uh we love the comments and everything you guys leave for us so we appreciate that um also for all the listeners this week just don't text me about the Notre Dame USC game if Notre Dame loses because my phone will be on Do Not Disturb. Um, thanks, I appreciate it in advance. I'm tired of getting DMs on Twitter when my phone gets turned off. Stop messaging me. <laughs> you won't go away, you people. The number of times that I got a Twitter message sent to me. I've just why you know I've just blocked your phone number for the rest of the afternoon. So you want to send me one on Twitter? You guys are, you guys have no chill, no human decency. At least they're not sending you emails. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be absurd, actually. So I got like four FaceTime calls, and as soon as I hit the FaceTime, declined number was blocked for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> it's all your fault. You did it to yourself. Don't call me. So, not good. Not good. Not at all. So, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for us here today. We will be back later this week with re-roll offs of the Moneyline Masterclass to preview a a weekend ahead of football, and uh, we can't wait to bring it to you. But until then, for Grayson, I'm Tyler. Be the man in the arena, and we will see you later this week. So, peace out, everyone.